0: Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person hungry for some good news not fake good news, but stories of resilience, stories of people taking sad songs and making it better. And, and we have two wonderful examples today. Uh, later in the program, we'll be talking with the executive director of Wild Fly, Fly, Flyer Coffee. And just this month, they moved into the um, former Peace Coffee location on 3262 Minnehaha Avenue. And more than coffee, it's um, it's a place to address youth homelessness. And I'm going to just read a little bit from their website. But at Wildflower, we make coffee because it does good, because it wakes us up and jolts our eyes, even when we don't like what we see. We make coffee because we can't sleep, not why thousands of youth spend the night in shelters or on trains or in cars and on the streets. We make coffee because we're tired, tired of a -a one-of-a-kind youth trapped in the same old cycles, tired of seeing their wild hearts broken, tired of looking away. We make coffee to serve, not just the beverages people want, but the support youth experiencing homelessness need. We serve with care and compassion, dignity and respect. We help youth find their footing and support them when they stumble. We help them set goals and build a future. We help them see it's what they deserve. We make coffee to empower, to build community and independence so youth can spread their wings. We make coffee so they can fly. So, later in the program, we'll be joined with Carly from Wildflower and uh, looking forward to that conversation. And now, joining us is a master gardener from Hennepin County. He's a lifelong learner and an author of uh, three books on hydroponic gardening, Larry uh, Sapola. And welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Larry.
1: Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and you have some exciting news to share. Um, So, tell us about it.
1: Uh, Thank you, Laura. Uh, and hello, uh, AM 950. Uh, yes, my name is Larry sepola Master Gardener. Uh, I'm uh, more than excited um, about my, my tomato variety. It's called Cipoller's uh, Pride. It's um, uh, has been tested with Johnny's uh, Selected Seeds out of Maine, and I'm especially excited because after three years of um, some pretty intensive testing on their part, uh, they're located in Maine, by the way, but the... Um, the Supposed Pride tomatoes now being offered exclusively by Johnny's in their um, their new 2021 catalog. Uh, it's online, uh, but I, and I think they mail out the print uh, in in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's been great. They um, I said would, they've been testing it uh, against all of their paste tomatoes and and. Um, Apparently, according to Johnny's, anyway, uh, they decided to include the variety uh, because um, taste is one. Although that's pretty subjective from my point of view, but uh, from a more um, data point of view, if you, if you will, it's um, uh, it had more disease resistant. They like the shape. They like the color, um, and the and the interior of the fruit is uh, fairly dense. So um so it, for those of you who, who can or cook with it it cooks down much more uh, rapidly than than most of the tomato paste because there's a little bit less um, moisture in it. Um uh, now you can eat it raw and in a salad, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's dry, but uh, what they call um Johnny's calls it mouth feel or texture. Um and it's the old uh, for for those of you who recall maybe what either you grew or your grandparents grew, parents grew, um, it has a great balance of acid and sugar. So it's that old-time, old, uh, um, old-fashioned old, old flavor, if you will. Uh, most of the products, most of the tomatoes on the market today, um, a lot of them are hybrids. Um, and because of what the consumer is looking for, uh, they are typically are high in, in sugar. Um, but uh, Sapola's Pride is... Um, Pretty much a nice balance uh, of the two. Um, and again, when I first started with them a, a couple of years ago uh, to test, they um, you know they liked my write up and I sent them some photographs and so forth. They said, "Okay, send us some seed." And I thought, "Okay, you know how many seeds do you want here?" And um, the, last year I had to send them over three thousand seeds, three thousand and sixty seeds to be exact. To uh, so they could grow out their uh, the variety uh, for their uh, 2021 catalog in Maine, and uh, so that was kind of exciting. I. um I didn't even know I had that many seeds kicking around, but I did, and um, so everything uh, so far has been really um, doing pretty well. So, Well, there's uh, an yeah, expression
0: kind of- that every seed has a story, and I want to talk about this in terms of the problems of this lack of seed diversity, and also your personal story. So your great-grandfather brought these seeds um, over from uh, Sicily in
1: 1906? Correct, yeah, yeah. It brought them over, and you know, typical Italian paste tomato. um, You know, that's where most of the uh, paste, paste tomatoes, uh, came from anyway, aside from South America. Um, And I, my guess is, um, it was it was the typical uh, eight-ounce plum tomato that you know shape that you see in in the grocery store today. Well, over the years, my dad um, out of five brothers. uh, He was the the primary one who, for whatever reason, saved. Seed from some of his his best uh, fruit and and the better plants and so he taught me that okay fine um, and I didn't really think much about um, uh, uh, offering the you know the, 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 the variety to um, uh, to a pl- to a place like Johnny selected seeds but anyway over the years I took that eight ouncer and I think in I think it was in. Um, 1972, uh, I, came, I came to Minnesota, I'm from Connecticut, by the way, and I came to Minnesota for graduate school in 1970. Well, in 1972, um, when, I, when we had our uh, first house kind of thing, he sent me some seeds, and again, they were roughly maybe about 10 to 12 ounces. He had, he had um, uh, increased the, the, the weight a little bit, and um, for over the years, I developed it into the largest was 24 ounces. <laughs> no, excuse me. Now Johnny's. Uh, when I sent them those seeds, um, I, sent them, I sent them a range, and they 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 were kind of impressed with the large size. That they said, "Gee, from a marketing point of view, you know, we want you to um, uh, send us the seeds that are somewhere between the 16 and 18 ounce range." Which I did. That, those were the 3,000 seeds I sent them. Um, and it had it a little bit more traditional shape so so as far as a background yeah that 's been in the family for a long, long time, um, and the soil out in Connecticut is um, much more sandy, much more acidic than here uh, minnesota it's uh, in the midwest is pretty much alkaline very very sweet soil, so the first couple of years i didn 't think the um, tomato did that well, but uh, I amended the soil and 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 uh, I've been a master gardener for 15 years, so that that knowledge helped me uh, uh, convert the, the soil to what it is now. And um, so that's part of the background. And and when you when you talked about diversity, <clears throat> yeah, this is this is um, uh, this is an heirloom. Uh, this is uh, you know an old-fashioned variety, no no hybrid. Uh, and um, as I was mentioning it, it, uh, to Laura earlier, um, the seeds um, I think six years ago, uh, I believe. We're sent to Salvard, Norway, for the seed vault out there. So, uh, what, what that organization, what that place does, is to preserve what they think are, you know, some obviously viable, uh, very good varieties of heirloom seeds. So that, God forbid, uh, you know, if the, if the heirloom heirloom varieties around the world so, suddenly uh, are no longer available or or not as available, they can use that as seed stock to. Um, to rejuvenate the um uh, you know in my case the the tomato varieties and but the, but they have varieties from from um, all kinds of different uh,
0: So so your your great right? grandfather um and, uh, do you have any idea what was going on in Italy um before the 1900s with these seeds how long were they in the family do you, do you how far can you trace back
1: No I don't um you know, there were, uh, uh, you know, obviously my grand. well, maybe not obviously, but my grandmother grandmother were born and raised in Sicily. And um, the, the name Sapola means onion. So my guess is um, way back when, you know, you know, a lot of people's last names, at least um, in certain parts of Europe, um, identified the trade or the profession of, of that individual. Not every mm. name, of course, but um, my guess is that, um they were either onion or garlic uh, growers way, way back when. And, um, you know, things like tomatoes and peppers were, um, were just, you know, part of the family uh, or their family's uh, uh, garden, uh, you know, when they were growing up.
0: And to think for 100 years, your family tended these seeds. Um, yes. Some member of the family, you know, kept seeds. And I've, I've kept seeds a couple times on a couple plants. Um, it can be a challenge, to To keep them and to make sure the plants come up because i know i I lost one of my favorite ones when we had some one of these kind of crazier summers they just weren 't good for tomatoes and just didn 't produce as well
1: well they uh, a good well, a good point laura the, the, um, sorry, sorry to hear about your demise there but but um, a lot of people ask me um, uh, uh, because because it had, I, I've had tested I've tested the variety with other master gardeners and and so forth, and you know over the years they say gee this is, is is do I consider it the best tomato, and I say no because I don't know what best means. So when you save seeds, um, I always tell people I, I teach a lot of classes as a master gardener, and one of the things I say is look if you're going to save the seed, tell me why. Uh, forget hybrids. You you've, um, I mean you can save a hybrid seed, but you're not going to get it's not going to be true. Um, the off spring, the following year is not going to be true. So if you're saving an, an open pollinated variety, which mine is, and, and, uh, and it happens to be a, an heirloom because it's way over 50 years old, um, what did you like about that? Was it the taste? Okay, my taste is different than yours, but you like the taste. Fine. Did it have disease resistance and so forth? So you go through this, this checklist to say, you know, why do I want to save these seeds? Um, And then when you save them, and and saving tomato seeds is a little bit of work, but um, I save, uh, um, of course, all of my own seeds. And when they're dry, I put them in, um, for those who remember the old 35-millimeter film canisters. Mm. They're they're, they're black or gray, Mm -hmm. you know, no light. And I'll put my seeds in there, put a little bit of white rice in there to to absorb any moisture, Mm. put all of those canisters in a sealed screw-top glass Jar, jug, if you will. Larry, Larry, we're going to need to take
0: a break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about saving seeds and indoor gardening, especially during lockdown. (laughs) You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and with us is uh, Master Gardener Larry Sapola, uh, who now has a new tomato seed named after him, which is, or that he's been, that his great grandfather brought over, and it's now in Johnny's seed catalog. Pretty exciting news. And when we went on break, you were talking about how you save seeds, and I, I like your method. So, can you re- pre- yeah. repeat how you save seeds?
1: Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I um, uh, to, to pick up. I take uh, 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 all my seeds are in these uh, little canisters, film canisters. You, you can put them in uh, paper envelopes and so forth. But but I just happen to have those canisters. Put them in a glass, um, a wide mouth uh, glass jar with a screw top, and I keep them in the refrigerator. And and I don't peek. Um, so a lot of times when I when I teach people how to save seeds. They, they, they want to fuss with it after a, a couple of weeks. Well, I think I just want to unscrew the cap to see how they're doing. They're doing fine. Leave them alone, because every time you open up the cap, you're going to uh, allow a little bit more moisture in there. And um, so all of my seeds, uh, and, and I don't remember exactly how many they saved uh, this year, a couple hundred, or actually several hundred, but they're in the refrigerator, and I probably won't open up that glass jug, jar, bottle until, uh, let's see, where am I? March. And I'll decide, okay, what am I going to plant, you know, for 2021, and then start sorting out the seeds from there. But um, sorting in the refrigerator, tomato seeds, if you just left them on a, on a counter, well, uh, normally anyway, they're going to last about five years. If you put them in a refrigerator, you will double or triple... Uh, or quadruple that time so so they 'll be uh, they 'll be stored for a minimum of of you know fifteen or twenty years if you do it right. some other growers I know uh, uh, will freeze them so so they 'll do what I suggested, but instead of putting them in a you know a glass um, a bottle or whatever, they'll put them in, you know, maybe um, a, a gallon plastic uh, bag, uh, the, the canisters anyway, and they'll throw them in a freezer, uh, but, you know, below freezing, and there, uh, that can extend the life of at least the tomato seed, and many seeds, up to 40 years. Now, no, that salivar- is... Yeah, this, this is
0: absolutely fascinating. And I love the fact that your great-grandfather brought over seeds from Italy and you, your family has kept them going for over 100 years and now um, those seeds are um, available for uh, per- purchase. I also, yep. You also have done some cool books on hydroponics. And so especially right now with, um, you know, with so much, I mean, I, I think plants can help our, our mental health.
1: Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. It's my, it's my, it's my psychiatrist.
0: <laughs> so, so give us some tips on so you have books out about how to sort of do indoor hydroponic gardening for less than 50 bucks. So, how does yeah. that work?
1: Um, yeah, well the book is titled uh, Hydroponic Gardening the Very Easy Way. It's available on Amazon. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what Amazon charges. I think it's about $22 or so. Um, But anyway, it's the first book out, and and uh, I wrote it, and it was published in um, uh, 2018, so just a couple years ago. It was the first book uh, by design for that homeowner, Um, and you go on the Internet, and you see all kinds of hydroponic systems. Most of those, not all, but most of those are for commercial operations, and so what I wanted to do, uh, because of uh, my experience as a master gardener uh, in just because I was doing hydroponics for a long time. How can I get a a Laura or anyone to set up a hydroponic system for not only less than 50 bucks, but to buy all the materials we need at the big box stores, you know, Menards, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Ames Hardware, and so forth. So, I'm so going to just pop book? in.
0: Try to support your independent bookstores and independent small um, hardware stores. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm right. a big, I'm, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times, um, like I say, you can go online and buy a, what I call out of the box system. Uh, very good. They've got the lights, and you can grow maybe as many as six plants in it or whatever. Um, but if you want to um, expand on the system or modify, you'll say, well, you can't modify the system, but if you want to expand on it, you have to use that vendor's product. And um, I didn't like that because a lot of my population, seniors, uh, for example, seniors in high-rises, seniors in assisted living, and also schools, um, they don't have that budget. They don't have that time and, and, and energy to, to, to uh, spend a lot of money for, for a hydroponic system. So the hydroponic system that I've I, I developed, and, again, uh, I don't sell any product here, uh, just, just my book, Hydroponic Gardening, the Very Easy Way, um, you can start out uh, hydroponically at n- with no tools, no gardening experience, in a, in a bucket. You get a bucket, and you buy something called a wide lip basket, uh, it, which just sets on, on the bucket. And you can, you can plant whatever you're going to plant, either seeds or a plant, in that bucket, and you're, you're basically done. If you wanted to expand that system and just have more volume, yes, you can have more buckets. Or I use uh, what I call 10-gallon totes. Um, again I don't, I don't sell the product but the one product I use is by Rubbermaid it's called Roughneck uh, two of those fit perfectly under a 48 inch shop light uh, and I'll talk about lights in a bit um, and I can get as many as 24 plants in that 4 foot space all on one shelf, all under one LED light uh, so it's a lot of productivity and so a lot of the, uh, the people that I uh, talk to hydroponics are either living alone for example or um maybe it's just uh, one or two people um, in addition to themselves in the house so they may not be looking for a lot of volume um but that's where a bucket or a tote uh, comes into play uh some and of my and, schools for And you have images
0: uh, of these on your website so people can take a look at your website and kind of see what you're talking about right
1: Sure uh yeah uh, let's see uh yeah my website what is my website here uh, uh cci um yeah cci connections dot com there's um actually not only a lot of photographs, but there's a, just a lot of information on, on what to grow, how to grow it, uh, how to start your hydroponic system, fertilizers, um, uh, you know and some of the benefits and so forth so um, so yeah, it's a very low cost um, a, a, a way to get into hydroponics. And what I like about it, and at least the feedback I've been getting from some of the folks who, you know, bought my book and, 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 and started their own system, um, especially with COVID, and now when they want fresh vegetables, sure, they go to the grocery store, you know, they buy their meat, they buy their vegetables and so forth on one trip, no big deal. But uh, for us, um, I've got about 70 plants growing in my basement right now, and when we want a salad, which we have usually every evening, I just go down and pick whatever it is uh, is it just the two of us tonight or who you know who, you know how many are going to be here for dinner and that's it I don't, I don't have to go to Costco or or Walmart and buy a, a, a carload of stuff and just have it rot on me or, or spoil um, so the access is very good um it's very safe now with the covid thing you know don't have to go out as much uh, but there are some disadvantages um, that um you know just in the interest of fair play that I think you're your readership uh, listenership should know about Um, but for for some of you uh, I'm sure you've if you do garden you're you're gardening in soil and and you know what that's all about uh, uh, I guess hydroponically there are some disadvantages that some of you may not like Um, the one disadvantage is there's no weeding uh, so, for those of you who <laughs> like to weed, you don't have to do it. You don't use pesticides or herbicides when you when you grow uh, your your produce indoors, um, and therefore there's no soil uh, diseases. Um, for those of you who like to um, prepare your garden in the spring, and I like to do that, I, I have a soil based gardening. There's no no digging, no rotor There's no hauling in of mulch or or um, so, composted manure or, or whatever uh, that stuff. And I always tell people, look, if you got so, a rototiller and rakes and shovels and Larry, and all these Larry, we're gonna
0: it, we're gonna need to take another break and you're great. listening to Food Freedom Radio and we're talking about hydroponic gardening.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: Welcome back like to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking with Master Gardener uh, Larry Cipolla about indoor gardening and about the new tomato seed that his great-grandfather brought from Italy and now is in Johnny's uh, catalog. Um, but now, Larry, before we want to break, how much food can you grow in your house
1: indoors? I have, uh, let's see, I uh, probably a couple hundred plants. I've got, um, let's see, I've got uh, seven totes, so that's uh, seven times 12 um, it's what I grow and then and then I have um, um, product growing on those uh, vertical uh, shells uh, risen shells that i uh, uh, I think I mentioned earlier um, that I use for microgreens so so some of the some of the plants I have, I don't let them g- get as large as you see in the store, um, because we, we, we continuously harvest, you know, we take out a couple leaves from each plant, uh, uh, you know, every night, but uh, for microgreens, you know, uh, something that's three or four inches, I can put those, um, I can put as many as uh, 36 plants in what's called a ten twenty tray, a tray that's 10, 10 inches by uh, 20 inches, um, standard tray, that you see that in all the big box stores. Um, and and start harvesting those plants when they're just three or four inches high. Um, But unlike the store, I don't cut it or pull them out. I just keep taking the outer leaves out and let the uh, center uh, uh, stem, if you will, uh, grow. So I get a continuous harvest out of just one plant probably for up to two and three months. Um, So it's really kind of fun uh, to see that.
0: I love the microgreen idea. So let's say you're someone who lives in a small apartment um, and you don't have much space. Can you still do something?
1: Sure. You can get, um, there's, I'm sure if you go online, there's, there's, there's several uh, what I call uh, out-of-the-box hydroponic systems um, that, that fit nicely on your, your countertop. Uh, you know, you may only be able to grow six or so plants, but if that's all you, you know, if that's all you want, that's all you need, uh, they're great because the, it's a self-contained unit uh, uses electricity uh, They have the LED light, and um, I don't know if they, I don't, they don't I don't believe they don't provide you with the seeds or the plants, but uh, so at the most uh, you're you're buying um, ongoing cost kinds of things: seeds, fertilizer. You know you have to. Um, in those systems, the reservoir is fairly um, small. I think it's only about a gallon or two. So probably every week you have to add water. You know, top it off. But in a ten-gallon tote or in my buckets, five-gallon buckets, um, that ten-gallon uh, reservoir will last a minimum of three weeks before I even have to fuss with it, even even think about checking it for water. So when I bring it outside, um, uh, you know, that's winter, but if I bring my hydroponic system outside, which I always do, um, I mean, literally I could go away up, up to the lake, if you will, for close to a month and not have to worry about watering because the water is in the bucket, it's in the, it's in the tote, and, um, you know, if it rains, great, but if it doesn't rain, uh, the plant that is still getting its fertilizer and it's still getting um uh it's water.
0: That's that is funky. And so um so again uh, the real rough idea is, so is you can make one of these totes for less than 50 bucks. So what do you do
1: again? A tote will cost you about $7 and um and um you know, at Home Depot and so forth. Uh, and that's it. Uh, uh, a bucket, um, you um, a, a bucket, if you go to Menard's, and if you don't care that uh, the, the word Menard's is on the outside of the bucket or Home Depot is on the outside of the bucket, the plant doesn't care. But if you don't care, <laughs> you can get that bucket for, for 2 and $3. Um, your most expensive uh, um, item is going to be the hydroponic fertilizer. Um, the good news about that is I can use hydroponic fertilizer on any soil-based plant. So I only buy one fertilizer now. So I use it hydroponically and I use it uh, outdoors uh, in my soil because it's the most complete. It's got almost all of the 13 to 17 so. macro and uh, nutrients. whereas yeah, some soil-based fertilizers never ha- even come close. I mean, they may have three or four um, um, nutrients. It, it, but it, looks, it sounds like
0: a wonderful thing to do over the winter to learn about growing um, indoors and hydroponically in our own houses um, so people can uh, find out more about uh, Larry uh, Um What again is your website?
1: CCI uh, Gardening Connections um, I assume.com um, and quite frankly if uh, I, I don't know if uh, this is legal but if they just wanted to email me uh, Larry C. 7021 at gmail.com and um, yeah, I try to respond as best I can.
0: That sounds wonderful. I thank you so much for your time, Larry. Um, you're, you're welcome. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate it. Thank you. It. Have, a, have a great day. Stop your life Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Um, this is Laura Headline, and we're now talking with the Executive Director of Wildfire Flyer Coffee, um, Carly Kammerer. And um, Wildfire has um, is in a new location, a location very familiar to a lot of our listeners thirty two sixty two Minnehaha Avenue Peace Coffee Shop. Hi, welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hello. Hi, so tell us the tell us the news about your new location. So, Wildfire
3: Coffee is a nonprofit coffee company. Um, we employ youth experiencing homelessness. And we started in 2017 as a mobile cart um, just to gain some traction and kind of figure out how this could all work. And we have now signed a lease, um, as you were saying, on the 32nd and Minnehaha. Um, So we'll be taking over the former Peace Coffee shop location and hoping to open in December. Um, It's a really great partnership with Peace Coffee, and they've really kind of taken us under their wing and are giving us a lot of support, which is great um, to see companies coming together to help the community
0: yeah so I so, excited, yeah that's great, and I, I'm just I love what you wrote on your website, so i'm going to read what you have on your website. Um, this thing is uh, more than coffee, wildflower coffee is a way to address youth homelessness. Let me read from the website, so um, we make coffee because it does good because it wakes us up, jolts our eyes even when they don't like what we see. We make coffee because we can't sleep, not with thousands of youth spend. Not when thousands, not while thousands of youth spend the night in shelters or trains or cars and on the street. We make coffee because we're tired. Tired of one-of-a-kind youth trapped in the same old cycles. Tired of seeing their wild hearts broken. Tired of looking away. We make coffee to serve. Not just the beverages people want, but the support youth experiencing homelessness need. We serve with care and compassion, dignity and respect. We help find youth their footing and support them if they stumble. We help them... Them set goals and build a future. We help them see why it's what they deserve. We make coffee to empower, to build community and independence so our youth can spread their wing. We make coffee so they can fly. So that's why it's named Wild Wild Flyer Coffee? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what is your vision for this new location? Yeah.
3: Um, so we'll be able to employ at least 10 youth. Um, we do cohorts of youth every six months, so it's a very transitional program. Um, so really the vision is that this is a place that young people can come um, and be safe and know that they are valued and to just really be hopefully the lat- one of the last stops on their journey out of homelessness, that kids who come here, or young people, um, are able to gain the skills they need to be successful in the workforce and have, like, the support... Um, and really figuring out what's next for them and, you know, whether that's a next job or um, needing to go back to school, um, that they just have people here to help them navigate the challenges um, that they've faced with being homeless and that they're facing as they get that stability and leave um, homelessness behind. So I really can picture us being in here with our young people and it kind of feeling like a family, and that's that's something the community can also partake in. Um, when they come in and buy coffee, they can know that they're contributing to to a place that's helping end homelessness for our um, young people in the community.
0: So, um, so, and how has COVID um, affected you guys?
3: <laughs> um, yeah, so. It really affected us in the spring and summer as we were at that time so event-based with farmer's markets and other stuff like that. So we really had to shift um, the focus to our online sales um, because that was really, at the time, the only way to uh, employ youth was through packaging hours. Um, And then also in the spring, we had been set to sign a lease at a different location for the coffee shop. So that really pushed back our timeline, obviously, um, and it's, as things do, it worked out because this opportunity to be in this old space in peace and get their support has been amazing, so I'm really glad that things evolved as they did. Um, but yeah, definitely, we were kind of on a different timeline as far as when we would be able to open a shop this year.
0: Um, yeah. So when people... And now- Oh, I'm sorry. It's always harder to do things over the phone, which we're doing because of COVID. So that's just that's just the situation that we're in right now. But when when you're open, um, this will be a full fledged coffee shop, and you'll have um, different mm-hmm. types of uh, products that people can eat, snacks, and coffee. Is that that the vision? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I also want to hear the story of how did how did you help start this organization? What brought you to this?
3: Yeah. Um. So I I got my start in coffee early in life. My parents had started a coffee shop um, back in Wisconsin where I'm from. So I've just kind of grown up in coffee and saw the community it brings and the way it, I think coffee shops play like an important part in people's lives sometimes. It's where people find their community and their family. Um, So I just kind of knew that I loved coffee and I was familiar with the industry from being a barista myself for a long time. Um, And then I've worked with youth experiencing homelessness for about eight years now in different capacities and was seeing the same young people cycling in and out of programs and in different support systems and was kind of curious why uh what was the barrier to them like ultimately leaving homelessness for good and a lot of that just really came down to the employment piece that they would struggle to keep employment um, long enough to get some stability and to move up in their career trajectories to a place where they're being paid enough to really make it viable that they could leave homelessness. Um, And just, I think seeing that the youth wanted to be working and were frustrated, but they also just sometimes didn't know how to, or were struggling with the barriers we faced. um, I just wanted to create, I wanted to like eliminate that barrier. It just made sense to me to say if, if it's employment that is keeping youth in homelessness chronically, then let's figure out a way to eliminate that. And so that came to where we are now of wanting to do something that um, would just be skill-based and a place where you can make those mistakes and in a supportive environment and we can help coach them into uh, more, I guess, into the soft skills that employers are looking for um, so that when they leave our program, they can maintain mainstream employment and then have the stability um, that comes with that. So, Car- so in-
0: Carly Cammer, um, you're the executive director of Wildflower Flyer mm-hmm. Coffee. Tell us again how people can reach and where they can learn more about um, the coffee shop.
3: Yeah, so um, our website, just wildflowercoffee.com, has you know probably the best information, our mission, the youth we serve, um, shop updates, and then our uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram, also just handle as Wildfire Coffee. Kind of has great all the updates, especially about shop opening and stuff like
0: that. We're going to take a bit of a break and we'll be back with Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person hungry for some good news. And we've had two good news stories today. One, we were talking earlier in the show with Larry Coppola, and he's got a new seed. Their family's been saving this tomato seed for over 100 years, and it's now available. People can go to Johnny Seeds and buy it. They can also learn more about growing food inside their homes. And now we're talking about um, uh, wildfire corn. And joining us right now is Valerie. Um, Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Valerie. Hi. Hi. So tell us, what is Wild Flyer Coffee?
2: Um, It's a nonprofit organization that I work through as an intern or an employee. And it's a six to nine month program that helps youth with
0: housing or homelessness or housing, housing instability. So were you a youth that experienced homelessness?
2: I was homeless for six years.
0: For how many years? Six years. Six years? Yeah. Six years homeless? Yes. I uh, have some mental disabilities
2: that didn't quite pan out well with home.
0: What is it like, how would you describe homelessness to someone who, like, who doesn't really know? Like myself. I haven't had that experience. It's,
2: it's a struggle really. Like um I struggle daily to find food, water, you know, places to clean up. Um it's not an ideal thing. I would not recommend to anybody. Um, stay on top of your stuff, you know. Um homelessness is really just a big struggle. And having mental disabilities
0: on top of that it doesn't really help me either. And I think when you struggle, I struggle. Nope. You know, and even if I'm not actually homeless, there's a part of me that is also, also homeless, and there's an activist that's Helped to start stop um, child labor, and that was one thing that she was saying about the activists at the turn of the centuries that really stood up to and 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 stop child labor is that these were all children that this is all happening to all of us, and so when one person struggles for food and water, that is happening in our community. Now now, so tell us about how you got involved in Wild Wild Flyer Coffee and and what that's meant for you.
2: Um, I had known. Uh, outreach worker who I worked with previously when I was on the streets and he, they had given me a number to call for a job interview and I called over not expecting to get the job, um, only to find out that it was a program for six to nine months for Wildfire Coffee and it really excited me to get skills, um, that could help me in the future. Wildfire Coffee has been a very big Thing for me, like I really enjoy working with Carly, and I love working with for the Wildfire Company. Um, it's just been amazing working over there and learning new skills.
0: And and it feels like you guys have built some real sense of community and solidarity with each other.
2: Yeah, I uh, enjoy my my fellow employees. I enjoy my boss. I enjoy working with Carly and I enjoyed making coffee and packaging the coffee um it's just been a really great program.
0: Cool and then how can our listeners support Wildfly or Coffee? Well we
2: have we take donations and today is give to the max day so um, we're always open to donations. Um, best way I think to reach out to that is through the Wildflyer uh,
0: website. And um, I know this This show is taped on Thursday, and we air out over the weekend, um, so the the give days. But people can also buy coffee from you, and they can even buy weekly subscriptions of coffee. Yeah,
2: we got, uh, we got some new lines of coffee out there. We got, you know, t-shirts, march, merchandise, we got sweaters, hmm. all types
0: of fun stuff. So for six years, you were homeless... Um, What's going on now for you?
2: I got my apartment. I just got an apartment back in July. Um, I'm hoping to open my own business within the next two to three years. Um, I'm going back to school. I'm doing all types of fun stuff, getting my life in order.
0: Yeah. So what kind of business do you want to open?
2: I want to open my own bakery slash uh, candy company.
0: You know, and that would be such a better a better better world and I am um, I'm almost hesitant to uh to jump into this but it, it came to me at the last minute. I was really excited that this new book is going to be out it's called Atlas Hugged. It's a book by David Salone Wilson and so it's a play on Atlas Shrug which is Anne Rand's book and that's a lot of conservative philosophy is deeply grounded in that book and David Salone Wilson's coming up with this idea of um Atlas Hugged. And um, he's also written extensively on altruism um, and that, you know, we, we hear so much that it's a doggy-dog world and that humans are all jerks. And, and so we create these societies that sort of create that jerky world. But what David Salone Wilson and others have argued is that actually as people, we're pretty nice. Niceness is our nature, and it's just that there are so many problems. And so how do we step up to, um, to transform our community? And it seems like you guys have a little window on on how that can be done.
2: I always try to look out for the best in people personally because I believe everybody has a soft side and a nice side. It's not, you know, a doggy-doggy world out there. You just got to find the right people who vibe with you as a person,
0: you know, Yeah, find the right people and create the right systems. I mean, one of the things that I think is so um, tragic about our times is that we seem to blame each other instead of blaming the systems. Um, and food is a perfect example for instance, um, we have these huge health consequences but the farm system subsidizes corn soy and um, corn and soy when when they know that in factory farming a lot of our dollars go for that type of system where there's concentration of wealth instead of going into the system where um, we're honoring water and honoring soil and honoring each other so this this threat of this cultural transformation which is the good news story behind the food system, um, and and how, how we create that. So I, I mean, don't know how to. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I know that was kind of a uh, that's just where I went with it. But Valerie, again, um, tell us a little bit more about Wildflower Coffee. You guys have a new location that's probably known to our listeners on uh, thirty two sixty two Minnehaha Avenue. Um, the yeah, old Peace Coffee. Yeah,
2: we took over Peace Coffee. Um, we're still doing a lot of renovations and stuff, making it our own. Our Looking fairly nice. We're hoping to open soon in December. Um, There's not really much that needs to be done. It's just a lot of
0: painting and
2: putting our own little taste and flair on the
0: store Well, I thank you so much, Valerie, with Wildflower Coffee, and that's wild, W-I-L-D, flyer, F-L-Y-E-R, coffee.com. Very excited about your new location, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, And thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.